It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. The great David Feldman, our Ace historian. ESPN, Pac-12 Network, and most importantly for NBC Sports and an official score in Major League Baseball. Remember, we did those classes on how to teach you how to keep score. Are we going to be doing that again this year? There was some talk about it. I'm not sure uh, where it stands at the moment. Because I got to tell you, very helpful. And lately... The other day, there was the one. There was a lot of plays in the Baltimore series. There was a lot of plays. What was the play? Rooker drops it. They gave it a sack fly. They called it an out. Sack fly out on the computer. I'm like, he's not yeah, out. He's not out. It's a sacrifice fly because the batter did his job. He got the ball deep enough in the outfield to score the run. So he gets credit for the sacrifice fly. But it's an E9 that allowed him to reach first base. Okay, so I was like, do I put fielder's choice and the E9 as the runner scoring? No, the E9 was the batter reaching first base. Okay, see, I did it wrong. You did it wrong. The scoring gods are going to come down on you now. My scoring's not. I'm going to be honest with you. I need your class. I'm not very good (laughs) at it. I just do it my own way. I do it from the standpoint of when I have to, when someone calls me after the game or if I have to run over highlights, I know how to talk my way through it. And that's the whole point. And we've talked about this before, too. The way you keep score is the way that makes the most sense to you. So you can go back and look at the game, look at the game you scored, and know what happened. It doesn't have to be correct as far as, you know, Major League Baseball or this or that. It's what works for you. So you can look back and go, hey, in that inning, Rooker dropped a fly ball, a run yeah. score. That was bad. He, he's got to catch that ball. Whether it's a sacrifice fly, it doesn't matter. The point was that he dropped a fly ball, allowing a battle reach base. So if you're like me, we don't have to worry about it. Our scorebook is not going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. We're not going to get the uh, uh, the sticker, right. authentic <laughs> the sticker that they put it. So we're, we're, we're going to be okay. All right, 1973, the A's, they have moved west. The young players have grown up. They upset the Big Red Machine in 1972. They're back at it against a team that really, you know, that not an impressive 1973 New York Mets team. No, it was a bad National League East. It was a Mets team that had to go 9-2 and two over the last 11 games to overcome a four-and-a-half game deficit to get to, what, 82 wins. And that's all 82 they had. 82 wins. 82 and 79. They didn't even have to play their last makeup game. But 73 is kind of the middle child of the three A's championships, right? It's not as, as loved. Not as loved <laughs> as that first one. This, you know, sweet no fist all the middle children out there. Uh, and then the last one, which was probably the best of the three teams. But 73 was, was different in its own right because you're the defending champions. For the first time, you're the defending champions. So everybody's gunning for you. 
But even before the season starts, the A's make some changes. And, and the biggest change was trading for Billy North. Right? The A's had gotten rid of George Hendrick uh, for Ray Fossey. They needed a center fielder. So they go out and they get Billy North from the Cubs. And Billy North was the type of guy that this club needed. He said, what are the defending champions? What do they need? They needed somebody, grit, take no prisoners, kind of a son of, bitch, son of the bitch on the field. I mean, hard nose, baby. They needed that. And then they were going to pair him up with Burt Campanaris, two speedsters. All right, this is when the stolen base, as we're seeing now, come back into the game. This was prevalent in the 70s. Stolen bases were still a big thing. Now you put two of the top steel threats back-to-back in your lineup. And that was a big part of this team is how do you hit them? Do you hit North first or do you hit Campanaris first? Which way do you go? They experimented it with it. They had at one point they had Campanaris 1 and North 9. And then they end up going Campanaris 1, North 2. It's okay. The A's are struggling midway through the season. They're a 500 team. And they're battling with the Kansas City Royals for the AL West. And it really wasn't until mid-August when they caught fire. And that's when they moved North to the 1 spot, Campanaris to the 2 spot. And they took off. And they won 12 out of 13. Uh, one of the games was at Yankee Stadium. I was there. Little five-year-old Davey was in the stands at old Yankee Stadium. It was the first time I saw the A's win in person. They were trailing by six runs in the seventh inning. Came back, won the game. First time I ever saw them win in person. What were you doing in New York? I mean, were you, <laughs> were you nightlife in Manhattan? Was it you were you on Broadway? What were you doing there at five years old? Yeah, five-year-old Davey was having a hell of a time because I almost got lost on the subway, according to my parents, that the subway doors opened. And everybody came in and out, and my mom had no idea where I was. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she looks over, and I'm just, I just took a seat. I had a good seat. Next thing you know, you could have grown up in Queens. I Who would have known? Where did you go? But yeah, it was a family. My, my grandparents at the time lived in Philadelphia, so we'd gone to Philadelphia to see them. The A's are in New York. Let's take a day awesome. trip to New York on a Sunday to see the A's play. It was unbelievable. And that, that was part of this streak of winning 12 out of 13. And it really propelled the A's and reminded the A's of what they really were. They're the world champs, the defending world champions. Tough year. Dick Williams and Charlie Finley did not get this along. This is it, by the way. This is Dick Williams is done. He's done. He He's can't had it. handle it. And you look at the way guys were coming and going on this team, right? Here's Champ Summers one week, and now he's gone. Now we're going to trade for Vic Davileo. We're going to trade for Pat Bork. We're just moving guys in and out. But what remained the same was the core, right? Ray behind the place. Gene Tennis at first. Dick Green at second. Campy at short. Bando at third. Rudy in left. This is center field, Billy North, and Reggie in right. And your guy, Darren Johnson, as the DH. Guy who doesn't get a lot of pub in A's history. Darren Johnson had a fabulous 73 season. He's gotten a lot of love on A's cast live when we had him on. Yeah, he's, you know, this guy drove in 80 runs as the, really the A's first full-time DH. And Reggie is healthy. Reggie was healthy. He was the MVP. Who wasn't healthy? Joe Rudy. Joe Rudy only played 120 games that year. And coming down the stretch, he wasn't on the field a lot. So the A's were mixing and matching. How does this pay off? Billy North sprains his ankle with about two weeks to go in the season. Billy North is out for the postseason. But the A's have now had some practice mixing and matching outfielders. And this helped come the postseason where all of a sudden when they face a left-hander, Reggie's playing center field, Jesus will lose in right. When they face a right-hander, Vic Davileo's in center, Reggie's in right. Angel Manguel was in there a little bit as well. But they got used to moving and, max and mixing and matching their outfielders. So you hate to say that an injury helped the team, but having Rudy out and North out, they got used to having to, to make those adjustments with the outfield. You know, it's so 
whenever I hear Reggie Jackson in center field, we forget Reggie was a terrific football player, Arizona State, great athlete. But for someone like myself, Reggie was the DH, maybe right field, older guy. You never think of Reggie as the great athlete. Reggie was a great athlete. Unbelievable athlete. And when you watch him run, especially in that 73 and the first part of 74 before he blew out his hamstring, he was as fast as any player in the game. And his skill in the outfield, it translated from right to center. You, you watch the World Series highlight film, he's making this unbelievable diving catch in center field, coming up with it, big old smile on his face, because that's Reggie, loves the bright lights. Uh, tremendous athlete who could adjust to really playing any position. And isn't this the start of Mr. October? This is it. This is 73. He becomes the MVP of the World Series. Not just the league, but he's the World Series MVP. And you go back, you look at the postseason. The A's had to play the Orioles in the LCS, five-game series at the time. Burt Campanaris has an unbelievable LCS. In game two, he leads off the game with a home run. In game three, he hits a walk-off home run. Back-to-back -back game, one leadoff, one walk-off. Never been done. The walk-off happens in the 11th inning of a game that Ken Holtzman pitches all 11 innings. I mean, what? This is, I can't even get a guy to go five. It's hard to get a guy. He's going 11. So the A's are up 2-1 in the series. You mean, you mean it wasn't five and dive? It was not five and dive for Kenny Holtzman. <laughs> it was 11 innings done in about two and a half hours. He, by the way, I remember what year it was. Remember when we had – I think we had them all on this – we're, we're in Mount Davis, basically, in the East Side Club that we we changed this bar into the treehouse. I think it was way back – I don't remember what the celebration – one time I got Ken Holtzman. One time. Phenomenal. Awesome. Phenomenal. Like, like – this is a guy you could sit and just talk. I mean, he is just like an encyclopedia. Yeah. He's entertaining. He's engaging. I wish – and, and you think of all the big game pitchers of that era, he never gets talked about. No. He should be talked about because just go to baseball reference and look what he did in the postseason. I, if there was like a former A, I wish was around a lot more, he'd definitely be up yeah, there. Great storyteller. And, yeah, he was the game one starter in all three World Series. Right? And part amazing. of this, it happened to do with, you know, the LCS going five. Because in game four, the A's are up 4 nothing. Vida's cruising. Gets to the seventh inning. Gets in a little trouble. A couple men on base. Runs already in. He's got Andy Echebarren up, a light-hitting catcher. And Ray catching. It's fastball. Fastball. You're just going to blow him away with a fastball. And Vida Blue shakes him off. Don't shake off Ray Fossey. For a curveball that Andy Echebarren hits you know, 30 rows back in the bleachers. Ray, till, till he passed on, never forgave Vida for shaking him <laughs> off. Never. I mean, he would bring it up constantly. And then Raleigh came in. Bobby Gritch hit a home run off of him. And the A's have to go to a game five. Luckily, you have Jim Catfish Hunter for game five, and he throws a five-hit shutout, and things are looking pretty good. But that led you into the World Series where Ken Holtzman now is pitching game one. You had, you had to deal with Jim Palmer in the ALCS. World Series, as you guys just mentioned, Tom Seaver. Heard of him. But luckily, Reds had the same issue. They went five games in the LCS against the, the Mets, went against the Reds in five games. You got Kuzman. You got, they so got now some... you have John Matlack and Jerry Kuzman, two left-handers, which actually kind of fell into the A's' favor. The A's are up two games to one when they go back to New York, but they lose games four and five, so they're coming back to Oakland. Charlie Finley gets involved again. You're down three games to two, coming back to Oakland. You haven't hit a home run yet. The A's had not hit a home run in the series. And Charlie says, you know what we're doing? We're taking Ray. We're putting him on the bench. We're taking Gene Tennis from first. He's going to catch. And your man, Darren Johnson, is going to play first base. He's going to change the lineup up. And it works. I mean, to Dick 
Williams' chagrin. It works, right? They win game six. Game seven, they finally hit home runs. Campy hits a two-run homer. Reggie hits a two-run homer. They just win the game. Uh, did the lineup change have something to do with it? Charlie Finley will tell you it did. Wasn't this series where they brought Charlie the mule on the, they on the trip? <laughs> this was the Mike Andrews series in game two. Mike Andrews makes two errors in extra innings. And they're trying to get, get rid of him. They're trying to get him off the roster yeah. so they can get Manny Trio onto the roster. Uh, and the A's are going to strike. They're not going to play unless Mike Andrews is reinstated to the team. Because Finley had some doctor forging notes saying Mike Andrews wasn't physically <laughs> able to play. So the A's are actually at practice. They're wearing Mike Andrews 17 on an armband. Yeah. Uh, and they said, we're not going to play. So it turns out Charlie relents. He's going to play. Mike Andrews pinch hits in New York and gets a standing ovation from the Shea Stadium crowd. A standing ovation for Mike Andrews. And even Charlie, because he had nothing else to do at that point, stands up and starts cheering. How did they get the mule to New York? Probably the mule was treated a lot better than the players, <laughs> if you listen to the players. <laughs> it's just, you can't make this stuff up in A's history. Ray Fossey, God, we always got to bring up our beloved Ray Fossey, would always tell us when he showed up, to spring training. It was Dick Green who told him, we'll win the World Series. And here's Ray coming from Cleveland that the only time Cleveland was ever in it was game one of the season. <laughs> and after that, uh, they would stink every year, and they knew they were going to stink. So Ray was like, wow, these guys really have the bravado that they – and this was just year two. This is not even year three. It went in the three straight. Yeah, it was just that confidence. And it was that all the, the main guys coming up together, learning how to play, winning – all those games in 71, even though they lost in the playoffs to Baltimore, but going through it in 72, winning the series in seven games, I don't think they had any doubt they were the best team. You had three 20-game winners in your starting rotation in Hunter, Holtzman, and Blue, right? Your four starter, sometimes it was Blue Momotum, Dave Hamilton took some turns, Raleigh Fingers even took two turns as a starter, uh, but because you had those three guys who could go every fourth day, Three twenty game winners, and then a bullpen with Daryl Knowles and Raleigh Fingers that could just just crush teams late in games because Raleigh's pitching two three innings at a time. Well, and, and you know the Mets are one of those teams, kind of like the Phillies last year, like what we've seen over the years with different wild card teams. Get in, get hot, get hot. and you got a chance. That was it. You got hot. You mentioned Rusty Staub. Rusty Staub got hurt. Right? He hurt his shoulder, so he couldn't throw. I, I was, when I was one years old, that really affected. I, I knew that was going to be a problem. But I mean, he was the type how of guy. How was Willie May? Well, how uh, old was Willie May? Willie was what, forty-two or forty-three at that point. And I, I just know this because during COVID, we started going over this stuff, and we had those great shows with Ray Fossey, Ken Korak, and myself. And I remember going to the lineup, going, "How was Willie Mays hitting third? Yeah, game one, he was hitting third. <laughs> you know, watching that game again, there's one play that just sticks out to me is Willie takes like a full swing on a check swing. So he's trying to hold up, but he goes all the way around. The umpire calls it a ball. Ray does not appeal to the umpire. It's Willie Mays. Willie Mays says he doesn't swing. It's Willie Mays didn't swing. Uh, and, and the great Yogi Bear. I mean, the, the, there was a lot of star power Hall of Famers in this game. There, there was. You know, having Seaver, Hunter, Reggie, um, you know, the great Tug McGraw, not a Hall of Famer, but just a great baseball player. Vallejo's own Tug McGraw. Um, He's a pretty famous son, I believe, country singer. He's pretty yeah. good. Um, he's made a little money. He's made a little money. Uh, and they're the Mets, right? They'd won in 69. So this wasn't that far apart. You know, this is four years later. They're back in the World Series with Yogi Bear, one of the greatest winners of all time. And, you know, when I was watching the game, again, now at this point I turned six years old, so I'm six. I'm a lot older. I'm a lot more mature. Yeah. 
the A's win game one, and they kind of celebrate going off the mound. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's so good. Game two, after the Mets win and they celebrate, I got so mad that they were celebrating on our field. I'm like, how can they? They're like dancing on our field. My mom's like trying to calm me down. I got so <laughs> upset that they were happy that they beat the A's. All right, quickly, one historical note going on right now with the Rays. Um, in 1884, we don't question what the schedule was for the Maroons, the Maroons. at the time. Uh, everybody's trying to say, look who they play. To me, it doesn't matter. What they're doing right now is, is unbelievable. And the Maroons were in a terrible league. They were in this United Baseball League. They went 20-0. and 0. I think their final record was like 94-14 and 14 or something crazy for the year. I don't think we should be comparing anybody to the St. Louis Maroons. What the Rays are doing stands on its own. Not the fact that they've won 13 in a row, but they've trailed for all of what now, eight innings, I think, eight or nine innings total during this time. That's, that's amazing. They're doing it with power. They're doing it with pitching. You play who you play, and, and they're just dominating teams so far. Will it come back? Will they come back to earth? Well, I, I always think about the Detroit Tigers in 84 going 35-5 and five, and then just you know running the table the rest of the way. And Sparky Anderson, the manager, he said that was the hardest year he ever had because the only thing they could do was blow it. <laughs> well, I keep saying this. Everything we do is a game of math. Everything I look at is some type of math equation. Well, it's a race to 100 wins. What do they need? What, 87 games to win 100 now? Yeah. I mean, so it's like everybody else has got a long way to go. They're, they're just keep knocking them off. They're getting that closer to 100 wins. 100 wins gets you in, and maybe 100 whatever gets you home field advantage. I, I just think it's so impressive the, the, the length this organization, the Tampa Bay Rays, has had now. Uh, very similar to the situation the A's find themselves in. Uh, economically, stadium-wise, and they've done a tremendous job keeping the pipeline going, you know, keep bringing in players, making some trades that you might not think make sense, and they end up making sense on the back end. Um, what excites me about this, the A's, and I know this season's not got off to a great start, but what we saw in the spring training about some of the young players who are a year away, those are the type of guys who are impact players that are going to turn this organization back to what the Rays are doing. The A's are going to get back to that pretty quickly, I believe. Do we have the general? Oh, it's David. We got David squared. Back-to-back Davids. David Forrest is joining us next. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate it. Enjoy it. I know that all these teams were a big part of your youth. Enjoy this. Thank you. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things. Every single time we get a chance to talk to either Reggie or Raleigh or Rudy or whoever we talk to, we know it's a treat because you're talking to baseball royalty. Well, and I appreciate the chance to talk about this, too, because without Ray being here, and Ray really was the – the story keeper, and he kept a lot of these stories alive. And I like to think that by telling his stories and talking more about it, I can help keep the, the memory alive about those teams. So I appreciate the uh, opportunity. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.